So God is good and we are all gathered here together and those gathering with us online. So before service, CW and I were having a conversation and this goes right along with what I'm saying today. So right now, I want you to take, gosh, Becky, it's like all lining up. So right now I want you to close your eyes for just a moment and I want you to be very intentional in this moment and say in yourself, out loud, whatever that is for you, Father, I choose to put my focus on you. I'm setting my expectation on you. I'm setting my eyes on you. I'm setting my heart on you. I'm setting my limits, God. I'm lifting any limitations that I have had. I'm giving you any limitations because here is my expectation is that this morning as we are gathered together, as we are gathered together, that as you are simply here in the presence, you're in the presence, that God is going to move in your body, in your situation, in your mind, just simply because we are putting our focus on him. And when we put our focus on him, all of the limitations, all of the can'ts, all of the won'ts, all of the can't be done's of the world and that we've been told, those are completely taken off because when we set our expectations, set our heart, set our eyes, set our emotions on God, he is good and he will never let us down. So here's the thing is the Bible says that where two or three are gathered together in my midst, I am there with them. And for those of you watching online, we consider you gathered in our midst. Just because you're watching from, you know, your living room or a wakeboard somewhere doesn't mean that you're not with us. So when God is in our midst, how many of you know that God changes the atmosphere? He changes situations. So right now, If there is a need that you have in your physical body, if there is a need that you have, I'm hearing specifically in marriages, um, somebody's vehicle, a need that you have for a vehicle or for your vehicle to be fixed. Right now we're putting expectation that while you're here worshiping God, while you're here listening, while you're here growing, while you're here pursuing, God is going to move things in your favor and doors of favor will be opened that no matter how hard you try, you can open that door. But while you are giving him your heart, he's opening doors for you. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we set our expectation on you. Any words that have been spoken that say this is the way it is and it's not going to change. Any words that have been spoken that would say. uh, Any words that have been spoken that in your mind, whatever the words were, but in your mind, the internal dialogue is this is as good as it's going to get for me right now in Jesus name we call that a lie because who who has experienced the fullness of God yet 
Anybody? I haven't. So this isn't as good as it's going to get because we have so much more to discover. We have so much more to experience. Amen. You have so much more to experience. This is just the beginning for you. <laughs> no limitations, right? God is awesome. God is awesome. So right now, Father, we just say and we declare you are awesome. Say that out loud, wherever you're at. If you're sitting in a coffee shop or if you're somewhere and you're listening on your headphones, say, God is awesome. Yes. So we feel the atmosphere with that declaration that God is awesome. And we expect awesome from God. And we thank him for it already. Just say, thanks God for the stuff that is awesome that I haven't even seen yet. Thank you God for the awesome that is on the way to me that is coming that I don't even know is coming, but God thanks for the awesome that's coming in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Turn around and tell somebody and those of you listening online, I want you to turn around to somebody and say, there's awesome coming to you that you don't even know about. You don't even know about it, but it's coming. There's awesome coming to you. Yes. Man, Nicholas, you let it fly. Go, son. <laughs> get it, son. Get it. That's good. That's good. Well, my name is Lynette. For those of you that I haven't personally had the opportunity to shake your hand or introduce myself, it has been a minute, as Becky and I were saying, it's been a minute since I've been up here and since we've been together. Hey! <laughs> I have to tell you, I'm so excited to get to bring this to you today. Uh, this is something that has been personally developing for years and uh, been getting a new perspective on this for quite some time. So I'm excited to share. I just want to share a perspective with you today. And... Uh, I'll say this, in Lynette land, if I come to your house, most people don't clean the top of their refrigerators. I see the top of your refrigerator because of my perspective. I just have a different perspective. However, when you come to my house, you will see something that's not clean because you have a different perspective than what I have. So this morning, I just want to share a perspective with you. And I would just would like to invite you to take a little journey with me. And for those of you that don't want to, you can go be the first in line at the buffet. So how about that? Okay, so back in September of 2019, <clears throat> we went to, Darren and I went to a meeting over in Loveland, and it was called the Just Jesus meeting. And there were several of you, who all from, who all from our N3C family went with over there. Yeah, there was a number of us that went over there. And uh, there was a gentleman that was speaking. His name is David Hogan. And if you've never heard David Hogan, I encourage you right now, put that name in your phone, type it into YouTube, whatever, because he is cool. He is somebody that when I heard that he was going to be there, I thought, I really don't care what it takes. We're going to get there. And I went home and I told Darren, we're going to see David Hogan. It wasn't a, would you like to? It was, we're going. 
This gentleman uh, is, he, I believe he's still based in Mexico, and his family is missionaries there. Um, when I say missionaries, the thing about it is, is he's not a missionary that is quiet and reserved and, uh, you know, not really making waves. David Hogan is like a whirlwind. Okay, so when you go into a room with David Hogan, you know that you're going to experience a whirlwind in a most amazing God kind of way. So this gentleman has had, I don't, I don't recall the number, how many people raised from the dead. Over 400 documented, medically documented uh, uh, miracles of raising from the dead. Uh, just powerful. If you get like for the real, look him up on YouTube and, and watch some of his videos on YouTube. He's just, I just wanted to be in the room with this man. So we went uh, to the evening meeting and it was amazing. It did not disappoint. We got to hear, I mean, he's in your face. If you're easily offended, you should not go here, David Hogan, because you're going to get offended. And then you're going to be accountable before God for getting offended because it wasn't his fault. It was yours. So you should get that settled before you watch him on YouTube. There's a little precursor for you. So anyway, uh, the second day we went and they were having, uh, it was a smaller meeting for uh, leadership and I don't remember what the thing was, but anyway, I signed up for it and we got in. <laughs> so anyway, um, that meeting that we went to, I had determined that I was going to get my husband in front of David Hogan because if anybody could lay hands on him, and he be instantly healed of any symptoms or diagnosis that has been spoken to him, I knew that it could be done by David Hogan, the way that God works through him. So I sat through the whole meeting and I listened to everything that he was saying, but what was running through my mind is I really don't care what happens and I don't care if I have to knock people down. I will get Darren in front of this man and I will pray for them and ask, tell them, you know, that I'm sorry for knocking them down at a Jesus meeting. But my feeling was I'm getting my husband in front of that man. You know, the, uh, for those of you who have read in the gospels, there's a story about Jesus going to this dude's house and he was teaching and he was praying for people there. And this group of friends had a friend who was like paralyzed. He was really sick. And so this group of friends had determined we're going to get our friend in front of Jesus while he's at this guy's house. And they couldn't get in because it was so crowded. And so they climbed up on the roof of this house and hoisted their friend up on the roof and dug through the roof of this dude's house where Jesus was and lowered the guy in through the roof to get him in front of Jesus. I'm sitting in the David Hogan meeting and I'm looking at the roof and I'm thinking, I don't know how, but I will get my husband in front of him if I have to go through that roof. That's the determination that I had. That's the expectancy that I had. It was not on David Hogan, but I knew what had operated in his life. And if there was an instantaneous deliverance and healing to have for Darren as his wife, I felt it was just my, only my fair duty to do what is necessary to get him in front of him, right? I hadn't discussed any of this with Darren, by the way, because Darren would have said, be still, right? So 
After the meeting is over, he said that he was going to pray for people with uh, diseases that were deemed incurable. I'm like, oh, (laughs) that's my invitation to go through the roof, right? That's what I was thinking. So anyway, um, I went up to him because he got on doing some other stuff. And I don't know if I missed the invitation to pray for people or if he got busy doing other things. I don't know. I went up to him and I marched my little self up to him. And I said, you, uh, we're going to pray for people with symptoms or things that had been called incurable. And I want you to, and right then he started to pray for me. I, I, okay. I'm not like for the real (laughs) to say, you know, okay. So I, when I am focused, I am on a mission and don't like, I don't have time for nothing else. Literally, I pushed his hand down and I said, no, I don't want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for my husband. And he was kind of like, this woman needs to chill. Okay, but you don't understand. So I, he said, well, where is your husband? And I said, that's him. So I grabbed Dick. I grabbed her by the wrist and I said, come here. So he comes up in front of him and we're standing there and I'm like, yes. And he reaches up and he puts his hand on Darren's shoulder and he smiles. And he looks at both of us and he says, endure. Endure. And he pats Darren on the shoulder I'm looking at the ceiling. I'm like, wait, what? But here's the deal. We walked out of that meeting and on our way to the car, I felt a joy and an excitement that I had not felt since we had heard that spoken to him. There was no instantaneous deliverance. There was no miracle that happened on the spot. There was nothing that was like, oh my gosh, except the word endure. And as we walked to the car, Darren and I were talking and we were so excited. And there was a life that had been ignited on the inside of us from that one word endure. So why? Why would the word endure ignite such an excitement on the inside of us? So I took that word and I've been studying it and I've been mulling on it and I've been digging into it. So if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to go to James chapter one and I'm going to, of course, read out of the Passion Translation. (gasps) You could have guessed, right? The Passion Translation. If you don't own a Passion Translation Bible, you can get it on the YouVersion app on your phone. It's a free app and there are, I don't know how many, I don't know how many translations are on that uh, app. But anyway, it's a free app. If you don't have that, it's, it's wonderful. I like paper because I like to write on it and I like to highlight stuff because that's how I remember. It's in the left-hand column highlighted in yellow and I put a smiley face and a heart next to it. So that's how I remember things. Okay. So James chapter one in the passion translation, starting in verse two says, my fellow believers, when it seems as though you are facing nothing but difficulties, 
see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. Verse three, for you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every part of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. Endure. How many of you, man, it's like I, it's like Becky totally set me up this morning. How many of you would say, I am enduring difficult times? Whether it be what's happening in our world, whether it be what's happening in your neighborhood, in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace, or on the big political stage, we are enduring difficult times. This word difficult, if you look it up in several different translations, in the message translation, it reads tests and challenges. The new living is troubles and the new King James version is trials that we are enduring trials. So I went and I looked this up when your faith is tested and then to endure. So if we break this down into words that mean something to me, I go and I look it up in the Greek and then actually I went and looked up endure in the Greek and it means to persevere, but I wanted something more than that. I wanted some more meat. So I went back and I looked in Noah Webster's original 1828 dictionary, which many of his definitions come from scripture and he uses scripture as examples for defining the words. So if you're ever looking for a word, you can look it up online. So here is what the Greek combined with Noah Webster's, here's how that would read, is that when our faith is tested, that when our faith is proven genuine, it stirs up power in us to bear force without breaking or sinking under pressure. That when you and I go through trials, when you and I go through difficulties, when we go through hard times, it stirs up and it proves the genuineness. It proves the realness. It proves the authenticity of what we believe our faith in God on the inside of us. So that when something comes against us that we didn't see coming, we don't break. But in fact, power is stirred up on the inside of us. When these things happen, the power in you is produced and released through trials, through difficulties, and through trouble. How many of you want to be strong? How many of us want to have that power of God on the inside of us? Now, This is interesting because James says that this is stirred and released in us, not through prayer, not through hours and hours of reading your Bible, not through worship, not through anything else. Don't get me wrong. Everybody right here, right here. Those are all necessary and good things. However, What he says is this kind of power 
is released in us when we endure difficulty. Endure. Endure. According to the scripture, without trials, we would not have this kind of power released in our life. Interesting. Interesting. So as I started studying into this, uh, about a year and a half ago, Darren and I started going to a, a gym in Fort Collins, and it's called Trials MMA Gym. And in this gym, we have experienced things that I have never in my lifetime experienced before. This is my first time doing this kind of a workout. And for a year and a half, we've walked in, you know, three times a week, we go, we work out, and it's trials MMA. And in my personal opinion, I'm pretty biased. I know Wade and Patty would probably join in with me. They're part of our trials family that are here, and they've been a part of our N3C family for months now. So anyway, um, yeah, Wade and Patty. So, um, which by the way, Patty can do jumping jacks with the best form like nobody else can. I've never seen anybody do jumping jacks for hours the way that Patty does. (laughs) Anyway, walking in and out of the gym, trials MMA. I was thinking about that. And I thought, well, maybe trials is something that has to do culturally with um, martial arts or, you know, fighting. And I don't know what that means, but it just registered with me this week. I would like to know why they named the gym that. So I messaged one of our coaches and I asked, where does the name trials come from? Is that something culturally with MMA or is that something else? And here's the response that I got from my coach. The name Trials is the story of our lives, what we overcome, and how we persevere, and how we choose to react to our imperfections. And he went on to say that everybody comes to that gym for a different purpose. People are trying to escape something. People are trying to get to something. People are looking for purpose. People are dealing with disease. People are looking to further their fight career. Whatever it is, they all come for different reasons, but we all come together in that one common place with one common goal, trials. That's pretty cool. And then I thought, God, you're pretty funny. That out of all of the places that we would end up, we would end up at that gym. But here is, here's the lesson that I've learned at trials. Is that it is imperative that you not miss a session. Because here is what is in my mind as I learned back in high school when we were in training That if you go for more than 48 hours without reactivating the muscles that you activated in a previous workout, within 48 hours, those muscles and what you built begin to deteriorate and go back to the state that they were before you worked out before. Now, I have never sweat so much in my life as working out at Trials MMA. But here's the deal. I will not miss a session 
because I know if I miss and don't continue advancing, the next time I go back, it's going to be harder. So if I go full on and then we go on vacation, I take something with me to work out. I take something with me because when I get back, honestly, it inspires a fear on the inside of me because I don't want to puke and I don't want to pass out. So (laughs) I take something. But here's my question. How many of us in the church will go full on because a trial happens. So we hit full force. Oh God, I need you. And then when we make it through that, something else comes up. We get busy. The kids have this. The family has that. We want to go here. We don't have time for that. So we lay out. Then the next time difficulty hits, which it will, It's so hard. And we either want to puke or we want to pass out. Just want to throw that out there for thought. What would happen if we continually pressed? What would happen if our walk and our pursuit of God was not like this, but it was a continual like that? I just wonder what that would build in us. I just think about these things. So, according to the scripture... The power released in us comes through enduring trial. The thing of it is, is you can't have one without the other. We have to have both. We have to have the trial in order to get to the power. How many of you have learned how to do something by watching someone else do it the way you don't ever want to do it? And so then you do it not the way that they did it. You learn how to do it by learning how not to do it. That's the whole basis for America's Funniest Home Videos, right? I love that show. So the Old Testament is full of stuff like that. So if we read in the Old Testament, we will learn how to do things by watching how people did stuff. You're like, ah, yeah, don't do it like that. So let's take a look at an example from the Old Testament. And I am going to be reading from Numbers chapter 14. It's back where your pages are still stuck together. But what happens in Numbers chapter 14 is it is an account to us of what happened in Exodus. And what's happening is where I want to go is Moses has been asked by God to lead the Israelites or the Hebrew children out of the desert, or I'm sorry, out of Egypt and into the desert. Because he says, I want to take them from Egypt where they're slaves and when they're in bondage. And I want to take them to the place where I want them to worship me. And from that place, then we're going to go on to what God called the promised land. This is what he spoke to Moses about. And he said, I want you to take my people out of slavery, out of bondage. And I want them to make a journey, which would have been a 40 day journey from Egypt to Canaan, where God had promised them this land flowing with milk and honey. Well, while they're in the desert, it ends up being that they're there for 40 years, 40 days, 40 years. 
So during that time, Moses sends some spies over into Canaan to spy out the land and to see what it's like, what God had said, find out if it's really all that God has said that it was. So he sends these spies over and among these spies are two men named Joshua and Caleb. So when they come back, they've been over there spying the promised land for 40 days. When they come back, they come back and they bring this huge fruit from the promised land. So they bring this huge fruit to show God's people, mind you, still in the wilderness, still in the desert. They bring this fruit and they say, man, look how awesome it is. But it's really hard. It's going to be super difficult to go over there. It is full of giants. It is full of difficult things. It's full of hard times. And in order for us to get this super cool fruit, we're going to have to do some really hard stuff. So we shouldn't even go. This is, some of you may have been, uh, heard the scripture where it says that we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. That's where this comes from is they come back and they're like, we felt like grasshoppers. And when we felt like grasshoppers, they thought we were grasshoppers. That's a whole nother message, but there you go. So then we go, and then now all of the people who have been living in the desert, in the wilderness with expectation of the promised land. They're listening to the report that these spies bring back that are telling them this is hard. So this is what it says in Numbers chapter 14. And I'm going to read it out of the message translation. Starting in verse 1, it says, The whole community was in an uproar, wailing all night long. All the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The entire community was in on it. Why didn't we die in Egypt or in this wilderness? Why has God brought us to this country to kill us? Our wives and our children. Now, it's not enough that we're suffering, but let's just take it a level deeper. Let's go to our wives and our children. If we really want to have a wham fest, let's take it to our wives and our children. Our wives and children are about to become plunder. Why don't we just head back to Egypt? And right now, let's not think about this. This is too hard. This is too difficult. Let's just go right now. Soon, they were all saying it to one another. Let's pick a new leader. Let's head back to Egypt. So because of the report that came to them that things are going to be difficult, they wanted to avoid the difficulty so much so that they thought it would be better. Let's go back and submit ourselves to slavery again. But it won't be difficult like that. This is a repeated process with the Israelites in the wilderness. Over and over and over through Exodus and Numbers, you can read where something difficult would happen, a hard time, a trial would come, and their immediate go-to response is, we should just go back. We should just die right here because this is too hard. This repeated pattern from the Israelites created like an escaping mindset for them, and they just wanted to quit. They wanted to escape any difficulties and quit wanting out because it's too hard. Choosing and thinking that it's better to go back and submit ourselves to whatever we were in before because the difficulty and the challenge and the trial is too hard. We don't want to go forward because it's too hard. As a result of that mindset, 
that entire generation died in the desert, never stepping foot into God's promise. Because that was their constant go-to. We're looking to escape. We're looking to get out of the difficulty. But how often do we do the same thing, church? How often do we want to arrive in the promised land, arrive into the goodness of God, step into the fullness of what he has for us, step into his blessing without going through the desert? God's plan was the desert. God took them. He said, I'm going to take you by way of the desert to Mount Sinai to worship me. What was God's plan? He wanted to take them out of the bondage, out of the captivity that they were in. And he wanted to take them on a journey through the desert, which by the way, the desert is not a bad place. If you feel like I am in, I hear Christians say this, oh, I'm in a desert season. Like, oh, wouldn't it be better that we just go back and die? You know, but here's the deal. When you read the scripture in the desert, God did miracles. There was miracle provision for them. There was miracle protection for them. God did things in the desert that they had never experienced before. Yet their attitude was we want out. We don't want to go through this church in order to get to the promise in order to get to what God has for us. We're going to have to go through the desert to get there. There's going to, if somebody told you, Hey, just become a Christian and carry a big Bible and life is great. They lied to you. Here's the thing. If you don't have that, if you don't have Christ in the center of what you're doing, the hard times that you're going through are just hard times for no reason. But when you have God in the center of your life, he says, I have a plan and I'm going to take you through this because what God did through the desert is his heart was to reveal to all of those Israelites who he was. When he said to Moses, you tell them, I am that I am. That's what he wanted to reveal to them in the desert. You're hungry? I am. You need food? I am. You need water? I am. You need healing? I am. What he was trying to establish is that whatever you're going through and whatever your need is, I am. That's what the desert season was for. It wasn't for them to live there and to start building uh, a, a neighborhood in a pool. It was for them to learn the character and the nature and the awesome of God. And through learning the awesome of God, then they would learn to endure and to stand in trial and not break. So that when they went into the promise where there were giants, they would not fall. See, here's the deal is you can't be an overcomer without having something to overcome. You can't be a victor without going through a battle. You can't be healed without walking through sickness. You can't experience the goodness of God without going through the desert to get it. There's a developing that takes place because if God plunked your happy little butt out from where you are right now and set you right down in the middle of the fullness of everything, you'd lose it. Because you don't have on the inside what it takes to carry the weight of glory that God wants to put you in. All of us are on a journey. 
all of us are walking this out. So here's it. There are times that I hear people say, well, you know, a curse doesn't come without a cause. And if you're going through something bad, it's because you did something and you opened up a door. You know what? The curse doesn't come without a cause. That is scripture. But here's the fact. God led his children through the desert. And if you're going through a trial right now, if somebody speaks against that, you tell them you better step off because God has taken me somewhere and God's doing a process in me. And you don't have any idea what he's getting ready to pour out. You better stand back and watch. That's the truth. That's the truth. We want to get to the desert without going or through the to the. We want to get to the promise without going through the desert, but that's just simply not how it works. If our mindset is on escaping and getting out of the difficulty, here's my question. Is that time of trial and difficulty, is it wasted? If your constant mindset is, how do I get out of this? How do I escape this? How do I turn back? I, this is too hard. This is too much. All of that time that you spend in that by your mindset being on getting out of it, is it wasted time? Not because of God, but because of our mindset. Because here's the deal. There's an entire generation that passed And there's a generation that possessed. There's a generation that turned back. And there's a generation that trusted forward. So which one do we want to be? Which one do we want to be? Perhaps. Could it be. That the greatest blessing. And the greatest breakthrough in your life is being missed because you are consumed with the mindset of getting out of it. When it's actually the enduring through the difficulty that you're in right now that will lead you to the place of perfection and lacking nothing. Which isn't that where we all want to be? Isn't that where we want to be? but we're going to have to go through to get there. What if, what if, what if the greatest trial that you're facing, what if the greatest difficulty that you're walking through in your life is actually a setup for the greatest breakthrough of power and freedom and miracle that you have yet experienced in your life? What if? See, this is an opportunity for us to begin to look at trials and difficulty from a different perspective. The same way I see the top of your refrigerator, this is the same way God is saying, why don't you come up and look at it from my perspective? Because as long as we look at difficulty and trial as why me, poor me, let's just escape this, let's get out of this, we're not going to reap the benefit that is spoken to us in James, the promise that is spoken to us in James, that when we endure the trials, that it releases a perfection on the inside of us, that we become put into the place of lacking nothing. 
See, I think if we would begin to look at trials, look at tribulations, look at difficulty from that perspective, the enemy would look at you and he would say, y'all better back off because every time I give them lemons, they turn it into like a whole lemon grove and miracles start happening. So don't give them any more lemons, right? What if you became too expensive for the devil to jack with? That's my goal. And if our focus is just when will this be over? We're missing it. We're missing it. God can't expand your territory by giving you less experience. God cannot trust you with more by giving you less. If we want to be those people that experience what has never been experienced before, and we want to be the ones to carry the weight of God's goodness and his awesome and his love and his power, to get that, we're going to have to walk through some stuff. Here, hey, hey. hey. You can walk through some stuff anyway. Why not say, uh, I'll take the benefit route. <laughs> right? I'm going to sign up. I'm going to sign up for the benefit route. So back in September, when we went to the David Hogan meeting, I knew that I knew that I knew sitting in there, that God, if you want to instantaneously move on my husband's body right now and him be completely healed of all symptoms, I know that it will happen. And it, 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 it will still happen. But saying that, after sitting in that meeting, what I learned is we're in a process and we're on a journey. And what I learned is I trust him. I trust him with my husband and I trust him with my journey because here's the other thing I got out of this is this isn't just all about Darren. This isn't about what he's walking through. So for anybody else that's walking with someone walking through something, it's about you because this is what I got is that God spoke to me and he said, you're on a journey and I better get on board because God's doing a work and I don't want to miss it. I don't want to go through this for nothing and I don't want to delay anything. So I decided right then to get my happy little butt in gear and find out, okay, God, what is it that you are wanting to impart to me through this time? Because I want to be ready to bear what it is that you want to pour out when we get to the other side of this desert. Amen. So how many of you are on a journey. How many of you today are on a journey? Walking through something, experiencing difficulty, experiencing trial. Maybe those things are things that you're coming to the fringe of, but there's something more that you know that God wants you to step into, but you're in this transition place of saying, okay, what was this all about? How do I leverage this? How do I take this and make this move toward the purpose and the call that God has for me?
the destiny that is on my life? How do I leverage all of this that I've been through as I transition into this new place that God has for me? Because I'm on a journey. How do I take what I endured because I'm still... Let me tell you something. If you're still here, you're here to tell about it. It didn't take you out. It didn't take you down. So you're here to tell about it. And somebody needs to hear your story. So here's what I want to say is God is in the process of something and we better get on board. Super, super quick little Lynette side note and I'm done. In the end of 2019, God said to us that this is the decade of declaration. 2020 started a new declaration. And we're going to go through difficulties and we're going to go through hard times. But where is your focus? It is very, very easy. I could be around you for less than two minutes and know where your focus is. Because what is coming out of your mouth tells me exactly where your focus is. So if this is, here's what church, this is my charge to you. If you don't want this, then you need to plug your ears for the next 30 seconds. If you are talking about politics and policies and problems, and you are continuing to rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse and rehearse it. You're declaring that. And the enemy is sitting back like, well, I got a good one. I don't got to do nothing because they keep talking about it and perpetuating the problem for me. People. Life and death is in the power of our tongue. And I charge you today that if you spend 30 minutes sitting around grumbling and complaining and griping about the situation that we're in, in our country, in our world, in our economics, and our politicians, and our politics, you need to spend at least 30 minutes talking about God's plan, his goodness, his miracles, his breakthrough, his direction, his purpose, his power, and his kingdom. Which one are you going to focus on? Because if we're the ones who are supposed to speak and miracles happen, you can't have that without having the other that when you speak and you complain and talk about how stupid people are and how bad things are, that happens too. You want stupid? Talk about stupid. We are the ones who are supposed to be talking about the kingdom and the authority of God and his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I get super irritated sitting and listening to Christians talk about all the crap that's going on. Let's talk about what God wants to do. Okay, you can take your earplugs out now. Okay, so let's pray. Here we go. If you don't want to be responsible for this, then don't receive it, okay? But here's the thing. God told me, when you're going to speak something over them, you need to tell them what you're about to speak because they're responsible for it. So I'm telling you right now that we're going to pray over the way that we endure trials and situations. So if you don't want to change your mindset about trials, then just check out right now. Turn your YouTube or whatever off and don't listen because we're going to talk about overcoming and receiving the power and the benefit that comes from endurance. Enduring through trials. So if you don't want that, then don't listen right now, okay? So, 
Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, right now, I declare over us a shift in our perspective. The trials, the difficulties, that anything that comes our way that is difficult, Father, we are not in fear, we are not overwhelmed, and we are not overcome. But Father, that we know that there is a good plan that you have for us because your word promises to us in James that when our faith is tested, that power is stirred up with on the inside of us and we are given the strength to endure all things and not only that father but as we endure all things that we grow stronger and as we grow stronger perfection is released into every part of our being say that right now perfection is being released into every part of my being And not only that, God, but you say to us that when we go through that, that we are taken to a place where nothing is missing and nothing is lacking. So right now we declare, say this, I have everything. Nothing is missing and nothing is lacking because I am one that endures and I endure well in Jesus name. Father, if there is anyone who has never made that decision to give their heart to God, to say, I want God to be in the middle of everything that I do. I just want to extend that invitation to you right now. Come and meet my friend, Jesus. He's awesome. And when you meet Jesus, he is the open doorway to the father. And as Jesus opens the door for you to meet the father, the father welcomes you with open arms. There is no pulling back. There's no scolding. There's no shame. There's no guilt. There's only goodness and love no matter where you've been no matter what your journey what your process has been to this point God welcomes you with a wide open heart because he loves us that much so I invite you to meet my friend Jesus today Um, we love you we're so glad that you are here with us N3C family I love you next week we're going to talk about the joy part How the flip are we supposed to look at difficult things with joy? Actually, exuberant, overwhelming, overcoming joy. That's where we're going next week. Becky, come on up here.